Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer Jihei Wiley. Jihei, how are you? You know, I feel like this we- the weather this morning, I feel really gloomy, so oh. um, this isn't the best day, but that's okay. Uh, uh, life moves on. I forgot. I thought you did like this weather, but... Maybe not so much on like consecutive days or... So, no, it's not because of the weather. Um, it's because my dookies lost last night. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, that, that's the only reason why I'm, I'm feeling oh. like the weather looks... I still love this weather. This okay. is great. I love being able to go jogging in this weather. Um, just something about like a really nice fond memory with my mom. She would always go and take us out and we'd play ball in this weather and we'd just like sweat really hard and then... Ah. Um, just it was a very refreshing kind of mist that would like hit you. So that's why I like this weather. But yeah, I, I get why other people don't. <laughs> so, well, gee, do you want to talk about it? You know, I mean, when usually when you when you have a tough loss, and I did see that Ohio State shuts down number one Duke in the final minutes and rallies for the upset. What happened, G? Did you watch it live? Where Were you tracking it? What I mean, how did you take in that loss? Yeah, you know, um, anytime there's a loss, it's just, it's really, really hard. This is the one team that I, <laughs> it takes me a, a little while to recover. It's kind of like that really, really bad hangover where you went out and partied yeah. and you raged, but like, this isn't a party. <laughs> this isn't a rager. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, it was a rough loss. I think mainly like our shot selection wasn't really there. But there were some ticky-tack calls that shouldn't have been um, happening against Duke. I know that sounds, you know, so elitist because it's Duke. You know, everybody's just like, well, you want all the calls to go your way? It's like, yeah, I do. But, um, yeah, there were some calls that shouldn't have been made. Um, For all intents and purposes, I know that if you look at his numbers, they looked great. But um, Bancaro didn't really have a great game, in my personal opinion, considering what he can do. Um, And Williams was in foul trouble the entire time, so it's just... he couldn't really do anything as well. Um, Wendell Moore, though, should have gotten the ball a lot more, like a lot more. Yeah, and he and he didn't, and it was just really disappointing. And then you have Theo John who fouled out again, ticky tack fouls, certain things that just shouldn't have happened. Um, hopefully, they just take this loss, they learn from it, and they move on. Uh, I will say this: at least it's not a conference loss. So oh, I'll, I'll I'll take this over, you know losing against Clemson or Florida State or, you know, God forbid, North Carolina. No. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take this <laughs> loss over the, um, you know, other losses in, in conference. You so. know, a team that did not lose last night, but I, I was watching this game, uh, Jihei, last night. I was watching the Lakers, the Sacramento Kings, and we found out before the game that LeBron would not only miss the game Tuesday— he may be out for you know a few games. Uh, he is now in that health and safety protocol. We don't know yet whether um, he tested positive for COVID-19 or someone around him tested positive or how that all went down. But anyways, he's not only did he have to miss the game last night in Sacramento, um, he's going to be out for, like, even if it's a week, I mean, he's going to miss a few games. But the Lakers came back and won last night, 117-292. Um, a really good second half for a team that has not been a good second half team this year. Frank Vogel was more excited and excitable than he has been in the past. And so it was nice to see them have some life 
in the third quarter and then moving on into the fourth quarter. Again, the Lakers outscored the Sacramento Kings 37-15 to in the third quarter and 38 18 in the fourth. Again, they are not a good third quarter team. They are not a good second half team. So to see them do that was good. But it led me to think about something, G, that I've been thinking about for a while. And I touched on this in my The Morning column today. Um, is that when you look at the team, the, the when the Lakers won the championship in 2020, they were a, a, a really tight-knit group. And Bill Parcells has a line that I love, uh, you know, when, when he talked about winning a championship. And he said, when you, ho- when you hoist that championship trophy over your head, and I don't know what happens, but some mystical blood kinship is formed. And although it's fleeting, that kinship lasts for the rest of your life. It's like a blood transfer. You get theirs. They get yours. And I've often thought about that team that won the championship in 2020. They begin the season in the midst or they were in the center of that controversy in China. Like they were in China when Daryl Morey said what he said. LeBron James did not say or did say something that kind of upset some people. So they were in the midst of that in China. You fast forward to about the halfway point of the season, and they found out about the tragic crash that took the life of Kobe, Gianna, and their friends. And then you go to kind of towards the end of the season, stretch run, they're kind of turning the corner, they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, they beat the Clippers, Did they look like they are now the best team in the league. And as soon as they have that moment, the entire world shuts down with a once-in-a-century global pandemic. All this is happening in this one season, this one year. Four months go by, and they restart the season in Florida, the bubble. They have to go into the bubble, away from their family, away from their friends. For 100 days, the Lakers were in, that bub- in the bubble in Florida, and they won the championship. So you, you talk about normally when you win a championship, you are a very tight-knit group. That team in particular having been in China and going through that controversy, going through the tragedy of Kobe Bryant, going through COVID-19, global pandemic, restarting the season, 100 days in Florida, tight-knit group. Now, what we didn't really know, but we, we kept on hearing it from trainers around the league, that no team that went to the conference finals, certainly played in the finals, is going to have much of a chance to win a championship the following year. It's a seven, 71 days. No like offseason in the history of professional sports has been that short. I mean, normally you, you have months to re- rehab and re- regroup and reset your mind. And that team, more than most, needed a complete reset. They never got that. They never got that. And so as soon as that season was done... In October, GA December, they're right back at it. And they, did, they, they, they didn't have time. They did not have time. And no team, as the trainers predicted, you look at the Celtics, you look at the Heat, you look at the Lakers and the, and the Nuggets. No team won a game past the first round. Three of the four got knocked out in round one. The Celtics actually were swept in round one. What would have been the smart thing to do what would have been the prudent thing to do that following season is to bring the band back. The, the, you know, the, the old Sam, we're bringing the band back. 
This was a team that was a championship team in 2020. This was a team that was the number one seed in the West in 2020. And yes, they were knocked out of the first round by the Suns in 2021. But you have to remember when they were fully healthy, when they had LeBron James, when they had Anthony Davis, they were the second best team in the league. When LeBron James went down in March, March 20th, 2021, the Lakers on that day had the second best record in the league. This wasn't a a bad team. So if you brought this group back, you know, they would have been the favorites to win the championship. You wouldn't have had to kind of piece these new guys together. But they took a sledgehammer to what was a championship team. They traded away Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell for Russell Westbrook. And gee, we have seen that it's just not working out. When you talk about having that tight-knit group, a championship team, you cannot replicate that. You go to your Duke teams that won championships. You go to your Giants team. I'm not saying if they brought that, that group back that they would have won a title. I think the Warriors are probably the best team in the league right now. The, the Suns, by the way, we haven't even talked about this, beat the Warriors. They've won 17 straight. Those two teams, regardless, may have been the top two teams. But I tell you, and I promise you, that if the Lakers had brought back a band of brothers like they had, KCP, Kuzma, Caruso, I mean, Caruso, who has not made a ton of I mean, he, he, this was his first big, big contract. He told the Lakers, please resign me. I will take less. And that's saying a lot. When you, when you talk about a guy who began with the G League and he has never had a big contract before, for him to go to the Lakers and say, I'm going to take less, please bring me back. I mean, this was a core guy on that championship team, a glue guy. And they kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say they mocked him or they shrugged him up, but if he comes to them and says, hey, listen, I just got a four-year, $37 million deal from Chicago. Like, everyone's telling me to sign it, but, like, can you just give me something? They offered him a two-year, $15 million deal. I mean, essentially a slap in the face when someone's saying, hey, I just got offered this. You don't have to match it, but can you come close? And, I mean, for them not to do that not to bring back Jared Dudley, not to bring back Markeith Morris. Um, It's hard to replicate a championship team. And I just think that they hit the reset button on the team that won in 2020 and the team that was one of the best teams in the league when they were healthy in 2021. It's just tough to watch them play, GA. And and I, I think every time that they beat one of these really bad teams, like they beat Detroit, terrible team. They beat the Kings. And I'm, and I think fans want to get excited, but this isn't a championship team. I think that they are a playoff team. I, I, I do think that they're going to get healthy and um, the West is not great. The West that you, you have the Warriors, you have the Suns and you have the Jazz. The Lakers actually, I mean, as surprising as this sounds, and I'm not being a, a homer here. If, if, if they get healthy and right, they, they could actually be a, a top four seed. They could get that number four seed. That being said, as currently constructed, they, they have no chance to beat the Warriors. They have no chance to beat the Suns. But, gee, just chemistry. You cannot replicate that. It is impossible to do that. And the chemistry that has developed 
like over the course of a season in a championship run, you cannot duplicate that. No, you can't. And and if you do, it is very difficult. I mean, it's hard to go back to back in any sport, right? Yeah. Um, just to be able to even make the playoffs the next year is incredible. I mean, what the New England Patriots do or did every year with Tom Brady going back to back to back to back, like to multiple Super Bowls, um, it, it's near impossible. Um, and you're right, chemistry. We've talked about this since the beginning of the season. We probably even talked about this before um, off air mm-hmm. about these guys are just they're bonded as one, right? You can and you can tell, you can see, you can see it on the bench, you can see it on the court, you can see that they're trying to be one unit, and that's what basketball should be, right? It should be one whole entire unit playing playing together. Um, unfortunately, the Lakers are just proving everybody right right now that yeah. you can't make that super team, man. You no. just you can't like this is fine. In 2020, 2021, when you get Anthony Davis and you bring one piece on, yeah. and then you add from the rest of the pieces, right? Um, where you still have Kuzma in there and you still have you know, KCP and you still have these young guys. Let, let me reiterate that. Young guys exactly. on your roster. Yeah, you still have your vets. You still have LeBron there. Yeah, you still probably have some, some glue guys like on the bench helping out. But young guys, you still need guys that aren't. No offense to Russell and no offense to LeBron, but ancient. Like, yeah. Yeah. At at a certain point in professional sports, I mean, not everybody can be Tom Brady, guys. You know, not everybody can be, you know, a Benjamin Button kind of situation here. So you need those guys. You need those young guys to be able to bring that energy and bring everything up. And I mean, I don't want them to prove everybody wrong or right. You know, I don't want the Lakers to prove everybody right that like this is an older squad because it was like a viral tweet at the time, and I right. and I know a lot of guys joked about it, but it was true. I mean, like it's one thing to bring on a vet with a young team, but you add in thirty-seven year old Carmelo and thirty-six year old Dwight and thirty-five year old Rondo and thirty, you know, like everyone was in their mid thirties, and it's like. You saw before the season began, Trevor Ariza goes down and like LeBron can't stay healthy and like one guy like after the next. And the difference this year as opposed to last season, and I know we talked about that and you kind of teased me and I, 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 by the time we got to the playoffs, I'm like, gee, I I don't think this team is going to be healthy because I kept saying, if they can get healthy and I meant it at the time, why did I mean it? Because they were A, a defending champion. So I said, "We, we have seen this team. We have seen what this team can do, and when they're healthy, they are a championship team. And even during the course of last season, you get all the way to March 20th, second best record in the league. You got to remember that. The reason that that's important is that when you look at how the season came to a close, you're like, they lost to the Suns in round one. Well, they were going to beat the Suns in round one if they were healthy. Listen, I mean, it, it, you, it is impossible for that Lakers team, again, the way they're constructed, LeBron and Anthony Davis have to be healthy. You know, you, you can kind of mix the other pieces around them, but you need those two guys. So if one guy's out and the other guy's playing at like 60%, you're not going to win. When the Lakers were healthy in that first round season, first round against the Suns, they were favored, in, according to Vegas, they won two games. They looked like they were in position to win. The problem is when they get bounced in round one, the, the knee-jerk thing to do is like, oh, we got to change things up. 
We got to change things up. We cannot win with. No, no, no. You just won with that team. That team just won in 2020. And as I mean, here's how truncated that season was last season. The Lakers celebrated the one-year anniversary of winning the championship during this preseason. That means during a calendar year, you had parts of three different seasons in one year. I mean, they really shoehorned that last season in. No team, no team that had a long run in Florida had a shot in hell to win the championship. And not only win the championship, again, do anything past round one or just win one round. Like they had no, again, these are human beings. I know on a piece of paper, it says LeBron James. It says like Anthony Davis. At the end of the day, these are still human beings. They need time off. They need to rest and recuperate. And they didn't have that. And I thought the biggest thing that they could do this off season is just rest, recuperate, bring the band back and see what happens. And I'm, and I'm not saying that that team was guaranteed to win a championship, but yeah, you look what Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell have done in Washington, what Caruso is doing in Chicago. Those two teams, and I cannot believe I'm saying it, Chicago and Washington are two of the top five teams, not in the East, top five in the league. And that that's because of what those guys brought to those teams. Again, they're, they're just pieces of a larger team that is playing well, but that's what you get. And, and so when I look at what's happening with this team right now, and again, LeBron's not playing right now. He's out for a few games. We've seen this team healthy. We've seen this team healthy and it doesn't matter if, if, when they get LeBron back, when they get Trevor back, it doesn't matter. This is not a championship team. This is a team that I think at their best, at their best, could be the number four team in the West, could win a round in the playoffs, and that's it. Yeah, I think the Lakers have just dug too much of a hole for themselves, in my personal opinion. But also, to your point about Chicago, um, yes, Alex Crusoe is phenomenal, and he's doing really well with that team, but he has a lot of help. Oh, no, no, no. Crusoe's not the star, but DeMar DeRozan, I mean, if the Lakers had made that deal, which I think was on the table for them. And, and, you know, you talk about the hometown kid coming back home, went to USC. No, what I'm saying is the guys who have left have contributed to the success of two teams that really have come out of nowhere. I, I, I didn't expect Chicago, certainly not Washington again, to be two of the top five teams in the league two two of the top six, at least. So it's, and again, the thing about Caruso is the stats never told the story about Caruso. If you just looked at the stats, you, you were going to miss the mark on this kid. I mean, what he brought to the table, the intangibles yep. were off the charts. And you cannot replicate that. You cannot, re- you cannot replicate being on a plane with a guy when you found out Kobe, the most beloved figure in Los Angeles sports, tragically passed away. And what those, what that team and that lo- and that locker room went through that moment in that first game back when they're in, in tears, in the global pandemic, in a hundred days in Florida, all that 
combines for a tight-knit group. Jared Dudley, by the way. Again, Jared Dudley, as soon as he was not brought back, retired, and he's now a coach. You're not telling me just having his presence in the locker room can't help these guys? So that's what, what they didn't care about glue guys. They didn't care about the intangibles. They didn't care about chemistry. It was all about the big names. Let's get Carmelo. Let's get Westbrook. They were recreating... 2K, uh, you know, 2K12, like the best team from like 10 years ago. It's it, it, Now when you're watching it play out because people made jokes, it's just really frustrating because this is a 500 team that, again, at their best, if they hit their best this year, I think could maybe be a top four seed, get that four seed, maybe win one round, but that's it. I mean, the hope of, of, of this group, as they're currently constructed, being a championship team, slim to none. Uh, I've never right. heard you so negative, nah, by the way. <laughs> and I, it's, it's frustrating. We will uh, talk about that when we come back with our good friend Nick Hamilton, talking about the Lakers, talking about the Clippers, talking about the Dodgers, and so much more when we come back with Nick Hamilton right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California and the 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We are now joined by my good friend, friend of the program, Nick Hamilton. Nick, we normally do this on Thursday, but I will be en route to Florida War Games, the NXT going to cover uh, that. So I'll be talking about that more um, tomorrow and on Friday. But Nick, thanks so much. Uh, we got to start here because we were sitting next to each other as, as we normally do at these sports games, press conferences, functions. Um, Lincoln Riley's press conference at the Coliseum, I, I, I thought it was as good as can be, you know, just in terms of the the view. I, I'm, I'm assuming that they planned it like this, Nick, where you got the Hollywood and you got the, the downtown and it was a picture perfect day. Uh, your thoughts on the press conference for Lincoln Riley? Well, yeah, I mean, they went all out. USC went all out, obviously, with the hire, but also just welcomed him and his family into the USC, you know, program. And when you look at the backdrop, I mean, it was picturesque. I mean, there was some smog and haze, but beyond that, you could see the downtown LA backdrop, obviously the Hollywood Hills, the Coliseum, the, the historic Coliseum itself with his, the huge billboard, the, the digital billboard in the background welcoming him as the head coach. And I thought it was great. I thought Lincoln Riley uh, really, you know, pretty much introduced himself to Los Angeles. I thought, you know, Mike Bone did an excellent job bringing him forth. Um, and then, you know, what he said, I mean, and, and listen, the questions will be coming at him faster than a defensive lineman trying to deflect the pass. When you look at what, you know, he has to endure, obviously the the, the controversy leaving Oklahoma in such a, a, a swift fashion and coming to USC, um, you know, he, he's committed. And you and you saw that in the, even in the day of and the day after uh, they were, they announced him as head coach. He was out there on the recruiting trail, man. I'm, my man yeah. with the ABC rule, always be recruiting. <laughs> and that's exactly – what he's what he's doing and continuing to do even as we speak. Uh, we saw a lot of decommits happening 
because of the news that broke about him leaving Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, even the, the, the young man from Los Alamitos High School uh, who's coming in another year or so, you know, he's committed to USC now. So they actually have a quarterback for the future, an athletically gifted quarterback for the future, which is something that USC has lacked oh, yeah. since the days of, uh, you know, uh, you know, Matt Leinard and, and, and Mark Sanchez, the king of the booty fumble, I like to call him. So, <laughs> uh, you know, those are the guys that you, you, you remember mostly more than anything. And so USC understands they have to stop living in the 80s and get into the 21st century. And you see the college football game model has changed dramatically when you look at guys like, uh, you know, Steve, uh, uh, you know Bryce Young and, yeah. uh, you know, guys that have actually made, you know, headways to Trevor Lawrence's of the world, um, you know, in times past. And, and so there are a lot of things that USC has to, you know, gain ground on. And I think in about a season and a half or so, you'll see a turnaround of this program if Lincoln Riley has anything to do with it. And I even asked him about the defense. You know, what is because USC was ranked dead last in the Pac-12 in defense and defensive efficiency. And so when I asked him, hey, what is your plan? Because we all know, you know, Lincoln Riley has struggled with, you know, in, in yeah. times past with those Oklahoma teams with defense. So what are you looking to build defensively, um, you know, to bring this program, especially back to prominence on that end? He understood to say, look, you know, college football, you can't be successful without a proper defense, especially at the line of scrimmage and, def- and holding the line of scrimmage against your opponent. And this is a very, you know, competitive conference, which the Pac-12 is, even though it's significantly weak uh, in comparison to the Big Ten and the SEC. But they do beat each other up so often, which is why it's hard for a Pac-12 school to even get acknowledged into the college football playoff. But I think he's committed uh, to bringing this program, uh, uh, you know, back around. And right now is the prime time for Lincoln Riley to do whatever he wants to do because USC is going to give him everything, including the kitchen sink and the pipe and the pipes to go along with it. So this is the prime time to get them back involved. And, you know, like we said before, Ross, and I said this, you know, they need an athletic quarterback. They need a black quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't have those two things, they're going to be in trouble. So Lincoln Riley, you know, realizes that. I mean, he's had three successful quarterbacks. Obviously, we know about Jalen Hurts. You know about Baker Mayfield, but also Kyler Murray, who also do all three are doing, or at least two out of three are doing pretty well <laughs> in the NFL now. But, I mean, they were high for trophy winners. You know, two of them were high for trophy winners. Uh, coming out of the collegiate ranks. So I think Lincoln Riley knows what he needs to do and people need to give him some time. I think that's the problem. I think people are going to want it to happen overnight and they're going to have to be patient. You know how L.A. is, Arash? They're fickle. They're impatient. They (laughs) want it now. They want it yesterday. And that's not going to happen. It's going to take them about a season to a season and a half to really turn this program around and really make a difference. Yeah, you know, I want to give you some kudos, Nick. I, I think when people were knocking USC, they 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 grouped Carol Fold and Mike Bone together. Fold and Bone, Fold and Bone, and you were one of the few people who said, "No, no, no, Mike Bone knows what he's doing." If Carol Fold gets out of his way, Mike Bone knows what he's doing. And I don't want people to forget about this. In May, USC USC hoops. The the uh, sorry, Lindsey Gottlieb was such a significant hire for that program. What she did at Cal, uh, you know, it does not get talked about enough. She led Cal to the Final Four, seven tournaments. Um, him hiring her away from Cleveland Cavaliers, by the way, was him saying this program is a story program. We got to get the best young coach. The Lincoln Riley thing like came out of left field. Like when you were talking about who they could possibly get, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about coaches from like smaller programs who who are 
could maybe come over. Lincoln Riley, if you were to put together the top five coaches in college football right now, he's there. Um, speak to Mike Bone and, and why you were confident in what he could do, because right now he's hitting the ball like out of the park with all these hires. Well, I mean, even talking to Mike Bone, he has a, a certain level of energy that he is infectious, and you know he wants the best out of every program where he came from, how he turned that program around, and then coming to USC, the big the, the, the big deal he had to you know the task that he had to, to handle coming to USC and trying to restore that program with all of the scandals on and off the field. Uh, there was a lot that he had to clean up, and I think Mike Bone knows what he's doing. He's an intelligent guy. Uh, he's a guy that has a vision. He's a guy that that knows how to execute that vision. And like you mentioned, you know, getting the USC women's basketball coach, that was huge. Lindsay was huge. Um, I like her attitude. I like her spunk. I like her determination. And I think that's exactly what that program needed to get back on the mat. And and even at me, when I spoke with Mike Bone and asking him, hey, how imperative was this hire to be even not just relevant in the nation or in the college football rank, but relevant in your own backyard? When you have the Dodgers and the Lakers, which is L.A., you know, know, L.A. thing, Mm -hmm. and now you have the Rams. Obviously, you know, you have the Chargers, you have the L.A. Kings, you have so much other things to do, the beaches, the weather, the women, everything, you know, you can you can possibly imagine under the sun. How does USC become relevant? And they snatched the headlines from everybody. And that's the USC that I recall. And he also informed me about, you know, Pete Carroll's influence on this decision hire as well. Uh, the fact that Pete Carroll still has influence and, and ha- he hasn't been here in about 12 years uh, since he departed for the Seattle Seahawks. The fact that Pete Carroll still has influence and it was very influential in the hiring of Lincoln Riley with Mike Bone uh, speaks volumes. And I think when you get an endorsement of that magnitude, you understand the significance of hiring a Lincoln Riley. Um, I know they, I know USC had reached out to Brian Kelly, which I also said last yeah. uh, last time. I said that was one of the coaches that I think could could possibly you know be looked at by USC. And so, and uh, we know you know Brian Kelly obviously at LSU. But also, too, LSU also reached out to Lincoln Riley and offered him a deal, which is why USC had to up the ante on their deal to get him here to Los Angeles. Nick, what? where was USC in the community, or how was it viewed? I mean, the number of Los Angeles recruits that were leaving Los Angeles to go to, I mean, like Oklahoma, and I don't want to knock Oklahoma, like I was born there, my parents went to school, University of Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma's not that great, folks. I'm sorry to say. I mean, but they were leaving in droves because they wanted to go to a, a program that where they could win a national championship, pursue a Heisman. They can now stay home, Nick. A, where was the program viewed this past year or two or more? And now, how is it viewed? Well, they were viewed as a vortex of mediocrity. I've always said my moniker was fight on to mediocrity because when you had Gomer Helton <laughs> as your head coach, and you lose out on a tremendous talent like Bryce Young. You lost Kayvon Thibodeau, who grew up right in the community and ended up going to Oregon. Uh, C.J. Stroud, who was right there in the, in, in the area, in the Southern California area. You lost him. So I think there's a lot of factors uh, that go into that. And, and, you know, local recruiting in California, especially Northern and Southern California, is imperative. When you have other universities like Oregon, like the Ohio State, the Michigans, the Alabamas, and Georgias of the world that come here to recruit talent as well as across the country, they understand the homegrown talent here more than the homegrown university, and that's a problem. So now you have an opportunity where Lincoln Riley, who can recruit from the Midwest, who can recruit down south, who can now also recruit in his backyard. He, he implied, listen, it's imperative that we recruit in the northern and southern California areas to get this talent. 
I guarantee you there no there will be another there will not be another Kayvon Thibodeau type type of kid mm. that leaves Southern California without getting a visit from Lincoln Riley or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud type of kid that leaves. That's why the kid from Los Alamitos was imperative to get. Mm. And I'm glad that he ended up signing with USC because now USC has some hope coming in the future. I'm not a big fan of Jackson Dart. I think Jackson Dart has some talent. And I think this USC team has some talent. They're going to have to figure out what talent that they have, how to weed out the talent. And there are going to be some kids that are going to, that are going to want to you know, get into the transfer portal from USC. That's going to also happen, too. Um, you got to take, you know, when you, when you pray for rain, you got to take the mud that comes with it. And uh, that's, that's, some, that's something that uh, USC is going to have to deal with. The fans are going to have to understand. But understand it's all a process. And if you believe in Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is going to get this team back to promise. He has to do three things. One, you got to beat UCLA mm-hmm. this upcoming year. Two, you got to beat Notre Dame, and three, you got to win the Pac-12 South. If Lincoln Riley can can hit those three those three goals this season, he's going to give a lot of confidence to the USC program. And another thing he emphasized too, bringing back the alums, which is why yeah. we saw you know Mark Sanchez, we saw Sue Cravens, we saw Matt Leiner there at the press conference. And I think you're going to start seeing Reggie Bush and oh, a lot yeah. of other alums come back. And then we're probably going to see a reemergence of Snoop Dogg coming back to the <laughs> sidelines right. as well uh, when they start winning. So this program is going to be rocking. I think we're going to see something like we not close to what we saw with Pete Carroll, but something very, very similar to what we saw with Pete Carroll as far as the excitement, the aura, the energy that's being brought back into the Coliseum. I don't think any longer we'll see empty seats in the Coliseum unless it's like two hours before game time. Exactly. I think everybody's going to get there. Hey, Ross, you and I are going to have to start getting there a little bit early, buddy, as far as getting the parking. Because we ain't going to be able to get there an hour or so before and get parking. We're going to have to get there about three hours before, like, we go on the sofa. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I was just so happy when they talked about that because the Coliseum, as you remember, Nick, was just such a special place when they were winning, when Pete Carroll was there, and then to have them drop... And really, bottom of the barrel, rock bottom, or I forgot how you did When they gave up 62 to the Bruins and Chip Kelly, like I, I was like, that's below rock bottom. That, that like, you know, so good to have them back. Uh, Want to talk a little bit about LeBron and the Lakers and what's happening with them again. You know, people keep wanting to have them have a turnaround moment. And I'm like, the turnaround's not going to come against Detroit. The turnaround's not going to come against Sacramento. The turnaround's going to come when they beat like a good quality team. But the more that we watch this team, Nick, I'm pretty convinced that they're a 500 team. Their ceiling, I see, and I don't think they're going to hit the ceiling, but the ceiling is maybe the number four seed out west. They don't, I mean, the way that they're currently constructed, they have no chance against Phoenix. They have no chance against the Warriors. Um, your thoughts as you watch this 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 team, because I, I, my worry, I, I guess, is that they're kind of stuck with this group, that there's, that there's no way that you can change things. And I, I, I fear for Frank Vogel. I, I think he's trying to keep his job the best as he possibly can. But, Nick, I, I mean, it, the, the other concern is, this is the soft spot of their schedule. They are a 500 team through the softest part of their schedule. It's going to get harder. Well, how dare you, Arash, <laughs> talk about the Laker, this Laker team. Are you Are you kidding me? My goodness. The blasphemy that you're spewing out That's on your right. airwaves right now about the Lakers. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I call I call Frank Vogel Mr. 2.0. And you know what a 2.0 GPA is, right? C, C average. Oh, jeez. Right? And that's what I call this team. This team is a C average team yeah. because it's led by a C average coach. 
Um, yes, I, I, LeBron is the GM, and the unfortunate part is LeBron's not going to get the, the, the flack that he should deserve as far as putting this team together. Yeah. Frank Vogel is going to fall on the sword. It's not going to be Russell Westbrook, um, unlike most people, you know, Mr. Apple Turnover. I like to call him. <laughs> he should be getting the, the, the flack. But, listen, LeBron put this team together. Frank Vogel, a lot of questions about his rotations. Obviously, the starting rotation, the, the coming off the bench, you know, moving players around in certain spots. Um, you know, uh, turnover Horton Tucker hasn't been that great. Um, Wait, that's a new one. Know. I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Yeah, Turn- I mean, you know, you got <laughs> you got a lot of guys that are just it just it's like you know what? It's too many spoons in the soup. Yeah, and that's the problem. Uh, you got too many guys that are wanting the ball. You got too many superstars, and sometimes it doesn't gel right. It may look good on paper, but it doesn't gel right. I think. This team is, I agree with you, I think this team is a 500, maybe a game or two above 500 type of team. Um, and, and the toughest part of the schedule is, has yet to come. I don't see them going on any long winning streaks. I definitely don't see them beating the Suns or the Warriors, especially that, that battle we saw on Tuesday oh, yeah. night between the Warriors and the Suns. I mean, goodness gracious. If that wasn't an epic battle, and I can't wait for it to go to the bank. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, to, to Phoenix, rather. Um, but the Lakers are, you know, they're, they're a team that's treading water, and they're going to continue to tread water. It's not going to get any brighter. I don't care what you Laker myopic stink out there that may be listening to this fine program. It's not going to get any better. It's going to be, they're going to be treading water. They're going to be doggy paddling all through the season. You're going to deal with injuries. You're going to deal with setbacks. Um, and if, I'm going to tell you something. If Frank Vogel's at 500 or a couple games below 500 by Christmas time, and they lose that Christmas Day game oh, yeah. against Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets, be prepared for his key card no longer to work at the Lakers. Exactly. Nick, here's what I don't get. And I'm not saying that this group would have won it this year, but they win the championship in 2020. Uh-huh. In 2021, they were the number two seed when LeBron goes down. I mean, so, I mean, they, they basically brought the same group back. They, like, they added Schroeder and Harrell. And they were a very good team. They just got hurt. And the other thing is, no one thought that a team that only had 70 days off, no, there was no off season whatsoever. It was Uh was bad for the Heat, bad for the Celtics, bad for, like, cook all the teams. My thought was, bring that group back. That group won a championship in 2020. That group was the number two team in the league in 2021. They took a sledgehammer to that group. Kuzma's gone, KCP's gone, Harrell's gone, Caruso. And I don't think it's a coincidence, not that they're the stars of those teams. Washington and Chicago are two of the top six teams in the league right now. And so, like, if you just bring back the group that you know works together, the chemistry at the very least is there. You're talking about a a team that's, in my view, contending. Now you got Westbrook, we got to work him in. We got Carmelo, we got to work him. We got, like... I mean, it, it, the pieces don't fit, Nick. I mean, why didn't they just bring back that group? Well, let me. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, Arash, okay. as far as the chemistry, because there wasn't a lot of chemistry on that 2021 team. I mean, there was a, there was quite a bit of dissension yeah. uh, between, you know, Schroeder. Obviously, the injuries decimated them at the wrong time. If LeBron had gotten hurt in the early part of the season, they probably would have been able to rebound, at least get in the top four without playing a playing, you know, playoff game. Yeah. Um, but also, too, I think there was just, you know, guys didn't fit. Um, you know, Harrell is, is, is six eight with shoes uh, coming off the bench. You know, you had Dennis Schroeder didn't want to be told what to do. He wanted to be a spoiled brat. Um, you know, he thought he was better than what, what, you know, somebody blew smoke up his behind and told him he was better than what he thought and ended up settling for 
you know, pennies on the dollar at another spot. Um, you, you, you look at, you know, uh, I love Alex Caruso. I think THT, you know, did well um, during that group. But it was bits and pieces that did well. But then Anthony Davis getting hurt. He was the glue to me to that team. It's like he's the glue to this team. Um, and we not, and, and I think bringing the guys back, uh, like Dwight Howard, I, uh, I love Malik Monk. I love that signing. Uh, yeah. re-signing THC. But I think the biggest mistake, as I said time and time again, was getting Russell Westbrook. Russ, you want Russell to be the three, and he's not. He's playing like he's the one because he's always played like that. So you can't allow a leopard to change his spot because he's going to continue. He's 32, almost 33 years of age. He's been playing this way ever since he picked up a basketball. So you got to look at what happens when it comes to these, this chemistry. And to me, I think if you surround LeBron with shooters, and specific shooters, especially on that perimeter, and you surround somebody like a Buddy Hill, which he saw light up on Friday night in triple overtime because he yeah. reminded the Lakers you should have got me instead of <laughs> exactly. Westbrook. Um, and surround him with better shooters. I like the Carmelo uh, addition. I love Dwight Howard coming back. Um, I think they need to utilize Rondo a little bit more. What the hell did you bring him back for? He's <laughs> going to continue to pick splendors out of his behind. Um, <laughs> so they got a lot of work to do. But I think, again, it goes up to Frank Vogel as far as the the, the – the situational adjustment, and then upper management as well. Rob Palenka, you know, what is the vision for this team? What is the identity for this team? We still don't even know what the identity for this team is. Yeah, We know the identity of the Clippers, but we don't know the identity of the Lakers. And that's the problem. You're supposed to be a champ. Everybody crowned them to be champions. But, hell, we got two championship-esque teams right now in the West and the Warriors and the Suns and possibly the Denver Nuggets if they get it together. So, you know, the Lakers are in trouble, man. They're going to stay in trouble until they figure this thing out. Yeah, that is just so frustrating to watch, and it's it, it's the leads that's the worst. You know, they they have a 19 point lead; it's a tie game. They have a 26 point lead against the Thunder, and they blow that. Uh, Nick, safe travels. I, I know you'll be in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. This will be the last Pac-12 championship game without USC for quite some time, hopefully. So that'll be good. <laughs> all right, thanks so much, Nick. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.